Welcome back to The Shaping of the Modern World. I'm Stephen Remy. I'm a professor of history at Brooklyn College of the City University of New York. This podcast series supports my course, The Shaping of the Modern World. Today's brief episode introduces Gilo Pontecorvo's 1966 film, The Battle of Algiers. We start today in a briefing room in the Pentagon outside Washington, D.C. It is August 27, 2003. A film is being screened. It is the Battle of Algiers. In March 2003, U.S. forces invaded Iraq, and even though President George W. Bush declared mission accomplished on May 1st, an armed insurgency began. It will come as no surprise to you now that the insurgents turned to the tactics of guerrilla warfare against American forces. And it will come as no surprise to you that the Americans had to transition from the methods of conventional war to those of counterinsurgency. To prepare American officials for a potentially long and ugly fight with the insurgents, The Pentagon's Directorate for Special Operations and Low-Intensity Conflict thought showing Pontecorvo's film could be useful to commanders and troops. Defense Department officials claimed, according to the New York Times, that, quote, showing the film offers historical insight into the conduct of French operations in Algeria and was intended to prompt informative discussion of the challenges faced by the French. These officials have not been the only ones to have found something of practical value in Pontecorvo's film. The Battle of Algiers was also a favorite of several militant groups around the world, including the Black Panthers in the United States, members of the Irish Republican Army and the Palestinian Liberation Organization, radical left-wing terrorists in West Germany, and others. The film was also used in the training of military personnel in Argentina to prepare them for counterinsurgency operations against suspected leftists that became known as the Dirty War in the 1970s and 1980s. The film also had many critics. Screenings in France and Israel were banned for years. Think about why that might have been the case as you watch the film. I should add here that the film won numerous prestigious international awards and has influenced many filmmakers. Oliver Stone, Mira Nair, Spike Lee, and Steven Soderbergh have all credited the Battle of Algiers as having a significant impact on their work. You already know that Algeria was one of France's most important colonies, mainly for strategic, symbolic, and legal reasons and not least because by the 1950s there were about one million European settlers living there, or about 10% of the population. Though the French government considered Algeria to be part of France, the nine million Algerian Arabs and Berbers were not full French citizens and were very poor relative to the European settler population. In 1954, a group of radical Algerian nationalists frustrated with the moderation and ineffectiveness of other nationalist groups, formed the National Liberation Front, or FLN, and its armed wing, the ALN. The FLN demanded independence, 
sought support and recognition for its cause from Arab countries and from the United Nations, and began an armed insurrection against the French. At first, the FLN targeted colonial officials, but then police and settlers attacked Algerian civilians, and the FLN retaliated with attacks on civilian settlers. At the same time, the FLN turned on its Algerian rivals, and a kind of civil war took place alongside the fight against France. The war produced the greatest political crisis in France since World War II. The French army resorted to systematic torture to fight the FLN, a fact that became public knowledge in France as it was taking place. International opinion was turning against the country. In December 1958, the free French leader during World War II, Charles de Gaulle, was elected president of France. Historians still debate de Gaulle's position on the Algerian question, as he gave opposing sides in the crisis the impression that he supported them. But de Gaulle came to see independence as the only workable option. He refused to grant Algerians full legal equality. And while the FLN was not winning the war in the conventional sense, it wasn't losing it either. Just as important, it was achieving a political victory by making itself Algeria's only important opposition movement and by attracting support for its cause around the world. De Gaulle understood that France's future as a great power meant developing its own arsenal of nuclear weapons and pushing forward with the project of European unification. He understood, in other words, that France's future as a great power did not depend on trying to hold on to a colony in a world in which decolonization was the clear global trend. All of these factors pushed de Gaulle toward the conclusion that France would have to leave Algeria. During the crisis, the attitude of the French army was a particularly delicate matter. Many officers wanted to hold out in Algeria after being humiliated by Vietnamese nationalists in 1954. When it became clear that de Gaulle was moving toward leaving Algeria, settlers and elements of the French army in Algeria rebelled and twice attempted, unsuccessfully, to seize power in Algiers. And on several occasions, a secret organization of rebel officers attempted to assassinate de Gaulle. But de Gaulle finally authorized a referendum on independence. And in April 1961, an overwhelming majority of French citizens voted to approve independence. Algeria became independent in July 1962. In the course of just a few months that year, almost a million European settlers fled the country. The FLN was now in charge. Just a few years after independence, the FLN commissioned the Italian filmmaker Gilo Pontecorvo to make a fact-based feature film of the battle between the FLN, settlers, and the French army for control of Algiers. Pontecorvo was a leftist. He had fought in the anti-fascist, anti-Nazi Italian resistance during World War II, and like most European leftists after the war, 
he was deeply sympathetic to independence movements in Europe's colonies. Pontecorvo chose an unorthodox format for his film. He filmed it in what was, for the time, a highly realistic style. Much of the Battle of Algiers has the feel of a documentary, and this was intentional on Pontecorvo's part. He always maintained that he had made a politically neutral film. He also relied on non-professional actors. In fact, he hired only one professional actor. Most strikingly, the former leader of the FLN in the Kasbah quarter of Algiers, Yasef Sadi, plays himself in the film as the character named Jafar. Alongside the film, I've asked you to read another chapter of Zora Dreef's memoir, Inside the Battle of Algiers. In this chapter, she recalls how she joined the FLN and became an operative in Algiers. This chapter covers some of the events depicted in the film. And while Zora Dreef did not participate in the making of the film, like Yasef Sadi, she is portrayed in the film. So what are the similarities and differences in the way Zora Dreef recalls the battle for Algiers and the way Pontecorvo depicts it? How do both present the relationship between the Algerian people and the FLN? How do both explain why ordinary Algerians like Zora Dreef did what they did? Enjoy the film. Thanks for listening and be well.